Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? They're there. They're talk to them. Good. Can I? Yeah. I would love you to. Can I really? You know how I feel. Can I swear? I'm, I'm, absolutely. Ask your friends over here. All right. Fuck you. The Rogue of Wrestling, Michael Newman. Excuse me, Mr. Announcer, sir. Uh, I don't identify as male. Uh, today, I identify as an elephant. And the New Jersey kid, Joe Sheehan. Uh, sir, we do not identify by weight. That is prejudicial. <laughs> You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting edition of the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. And this week, we have a Bullet Club invasion. We've got Adam Cole, baby. And we've got all your fallout from WWE No Mercy. I, of course, am broadcasting from New Jersey. I am your New Jersey kid, Joe, with my tag team partner, the Rogue of Wrestling, Mr. Michael Newman. How about this week, man? It's a crazy week. Um, I'm actually, I'm really excited. This stuff with 205 Live and Enzo and Neville has been fucking excellent, in my opinion. Mm. Um, I mean, there's there's also been, like, some other really good stuff, too. Like, the first night of Ultima Lucha Trace was really great. We got some debuts and returns over here in NXT, like you said, with Adam Cole. Um, SmackDown and Raw actually had some other good components, too. But, like, man, 205 Live right now, for me, the Zo Show is the show to watch. It's interesting that most of your highlights are not from the No Mercy pay-per-view. Well, you know what? I it actually I didn't think it was that great of a pay-per-view, to be honest. It was definitely my my word of the pay-per-view is underwhelming. Like I felt like a lot of the actual matches themselves were okay. Like it's not like it was horrendous or anything, but just nothing was not a lot of things were that amazing. I think probably the yeah. best match on the show would have to be uh the tag match. Tag match or women's? That those are my two top matches of the night. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually I think they did do a pretty good job with the women's match. I was just not happy that like Bliss got or not Bliss up that Bailey got pinned, um, mm. and just like in general, it's I think it's kind of harder to get uh, those like multi women matches over. But yeah, like they actually did do a decent job because Nia came out of that looking good. Yeah, uh, Nia was your monster. Emma came out um, of that surprisingly looking good. I think. Yeah, and like, she didn't take the pin. <laughs> yeah, she did. Well, and she also, like, she did a really good job in the match of being kind of the glue that held it together. Yeah. Kind of like the, uh, so you had all these different storylines, and she was, like, the interconnecting piece. Mm-hmm. And then um, we got Bliss being opportunistic as fuck, which is perfect. And then we even mm-hmm. got, like, the mini story there of uh, Sasha and Bailey going after, like, you know, breaking up each other's pins. Yeah. So I, I kind of wish that they had capitalized on that more. Because they didn't really capitalize that on Monday at all, did they? No, not really. They uh, they teamed up, and they didn't ha- seem to have any tension. Yeah, so I guess we'll see uh, if they go into that a little bit more. But yeah, that was that was a pretty good match. Um, but then the tag match. Actually, I think the tag match would probably put it over the top was the uh, fucking Cesaro injury, to be honest. Yeah, dude, yeah, pretty early on into the match, uh, gets thrown into the ring post and knocks his two front teeth into his gums, like sideways. Yeah, because uh, the first one I saw it, I thought that they got chipped, but yeah, they actually got jammed up into his gums. And turned. That's the worst part. It wasn't like just like straight up into the gums, like up into the gums and turned sideways. Motherfucker, man. 
What a tough son uh, of a bitch. And then went on to wrestle for more, like, another 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and, and not even just, like, he was also there and Sheamus was doing the work. Like, he was also fucking wrestling and powerbombing guys off the top rope. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> that fucking insane-ass spot that happened at the end of the match was, yeah, like, 10 minutes after he'd gotten his teeth jammed into his fucking head. <laughs> like, this dude is no damn joke. Mm-hmm. I really hope uh, that they fucking play this up into his gimmick more and just you know, really show that as like a moment to show how badass he is. Well, I, I mean, they definitely didn't follow it up on uh, Raw, but probably because he was getting his teeth fixed at that point. <laughs> yeah. So maybe maybe next week they'll, you know, because it's like, fuck it, he's, he's the Swiss cyborg. Play it up yeah. some more. And it fits more into uh, that their tag team, right? That they're the bar. They're these tough and rumble. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, was it yeah, they should actually like artificially even maybe put some more scars on these guys. Yeah, like they teamed up in a bar, started calling themselves the bar. Like it would go with their with their gimmick. You know what? They should have some more fucking shit like that. Like I don't know if at some point if they just need to start a feud randomly, have it be like as part of their uh, like a backstage segment or an outside of stage segment. Like they meet, like they maybe they start a feud with the club or something. And they're out at the bar, and they just fucking fight him at the bar. And that's how it starts. Like, yeah. I think that'd be fucking perfect. And you could just... Well, you don't... You could probably even recycle a lot of the APA sort of stuff for them. That's exactly what I was going to say. And I think it's been long enough. Um, You could even do, like, fun cameos with that. Like, have them... You're right. Have them fight, like, the club in the bar. And have the bar just be trashed. And then have Ron Simmons walk in and just go, Damn! (laughs) You know what? Actually, what might be an interesting idea is if uh, at some point you need to do another storyline with the Miztourage, the Miz could, like, say get pissed at the Miztourage for being losers and fucking idiots and say they're going to get replaced and have the bar come in as, like, his new fucking mercenaries and they just take out the Miztourage and then you have a new group of Miz in the bar who are, like, his, you know, mercenary cronies. Yeah. And so they're not bubbling idiots, but they're just, like, actual legitimate badasses that work for him. And then you could actually have, like, a legitimate big Miz stable if you wanted to. Or you could have somebody... You know what? Fucking Enzo is going to need some more help, too. Like, at this episode of 205 Live, he went out and recruited uh, Davari, I guess. But uh, I feel like he's going to have to develop a gang at some point. Uh, well, he doesn't have any allies in the Cruiserweight division, really. Well, Davari? Yeah, besides Davari. <laughs> Was one... Davari involved in that Raw segment? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I think everybody was. So was it, would we see one of the ones that hit his move on Enzo? Because that would be funny. But you know what? I What the fuck is Arya Davari's move? Yeah, I don't know. Like, what? <laughs> if he were even to hit a move in that segment, what, was his, what would his move even be? Gonna be honest, don't remember a lot of the Cruiserweight guy's moves. <laughs> is he doing, like, a camel clutch? Is that is that possible? Maybe. Or does he just have like a like grab him by the head DDT type move that like a bajillion different guys have, like a neck breaker of some kind? Not sure. But you know what a theme of this week was hmm. is multiple guys doing the same move and them just calling it different things. Hmm. I definitely did not pick up on that. Like I just picked on it. You have Adam Cole doing what they called a standing shining wizard. I mean, it's basically another version of the Kinshasa. Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, actually. <laughs> that's that's a good way of putting it. And uh Yeah, and guys doing like the I think Seth did a whole bunch of sling blades um in the match on the at No Mercy, so mm-hmm. stealing moves from uh Finn Balor there. Uh, well Finn Balor. Man, what another a man fucking... or a demon can just beat uh Bray Wyatt. Yeah, and uh what was his what was his prize? What is his new feud? Still feuding with Bray Wyatt. <laughs> yeah. Well at least wait, hinting towards another feud with Bray Wyatt, right? Because it was a physical feud with Gold Dust, but then after the Gold Dust match, lights go out. Uh, child singing, I've got the whole world in my hands, and then more Bray noise, and then that was it. Yeah, so uh, really glad we just gave that win to Balor, and that it means fucking nothing. <laughs> you and your blind faith in Bray Wyatt. I, God damn it, why did I fucking... Alright, so, should we address the controversy now? Yeah, so let's uh, let's run through our results of uh, this pay-per-view. Because okay. I think we've, we've hit the highlights that we want to talk about. We picked um, the same for everything except for uh, three two matches. There was the women's match, which uh, you correct, you picked Nia and I picked Bliss. And then for Wyatt versus Balor, I was a fool and picked Wyatt yet again. <laughs> which mm-hmm. means that it all came down to our side bet, or my side bet, of uh, the double turn happening at no mercy with Enzo uh, turning heel and Neville turning face. And now... In your opinion, I remember this specifically. Mm-hmm. Hold on, I remember this specifically last week. You said that for your bet to work, the turn had to happen at the pay per view, mm-hmm. and I I clarified and said, and you mean not on Raw or Two Hundred Five Live afterwards? Yep. Okay. All right. So, in your opinion, based on <laughs> this weekend of week, when did the turn happen? I am not. At this point, are we in agreement that they have both turned? No. Oh, okay. Enzo has definitely turned. Okay, you say so. Enzo, Enzo has definitely turned heel. Now right. you think ne- you think Neville has completely turned? I think Neville is face at this point. Neville got cheered on two hundred five live last week. He got cheered at the pay per view. He got super cheered on Monday when he came out. At the back of the entire cruiserweight division, which is supposed to be representative of the will of the people. And he was opposed to Enzo, who was the clear heel even coming into Monday. Because even in his backstage segments with Kurt Angle, Enzo was a heel every single time. So he was a heel prior to Monday. And Neville, coming into the segment, was a babyface prior to the segment. And was getting cheered during his entrance. So they both turned in my opinion, prior to Monday, which means the turn happened at No Mercy. See, I disagree <laughs> because we haven't yet, we haven't heard enough from Neville, in my opinion, to say that he's a babyface or not. What? Because the... You're kidding me. What? He hasn't said anything that's been truly babyface. <laughs> on Monday, when he had gave that promo against Enzo, he said that it's like, Enzo, you are an ungrateful and undeserving champion who has made a mockery of this entire division of this show, of all of these cruiserweights 
who, when you were cast out from Raw and given up by your tag team partner, we took you in from the cold. And I didn't want to, but they said give you a chance. And so we took you in. And then you betrayed all of us, made us all look like jokes, made me look like a joke. And now, because of that, I'm going to end you. And so then when he comes down to destroy him, then Enzo starts cowering away and reminding him about the uh, no contact clause, which is a total heel thing to do. And then Neville, like a total badass baby face, basically says, fuck you, beats the shit out of him, <laughs> stuffs, I guess the, stuffs the paper in his mouth, beats the shit out of him more, and then walks away. Like, you know, as like a statement. Because then he defended that further on, saying that it was like, yeah, like I did that as like, you know, trying to defend the division and not let this guy stand up and ruin the cruiserweights. Uh, That's a okay. baby face. That. that is I baby that. face. But... Baby faces don't normally break those kind of the rules of if you touch them, then you don't get a title shot. Well, I think it could be argued either way. Because if it's if it's going towards like a specific pay-per-view, then sometimes it could be the heel gets the one up and they have to wait. But I think it's also very baby face to just basically say fuck you in any scenario and like destroy contracts and stuff like that's very wrestling babyface. Uh but I still if going by your argument then, I still say that he turns at on Raw then with that promo. Maybe. Maybe I mean I can see that argument too. Because so. the so the the I'm going off the example of the one of the most famous double turns mm-hmm. in a single match, which is Bret Hart and Steve Austin, WrestleMania was at thirteen. And the crowd clearly cheered Austin and booed Bret Hart in that night. Mm. Uh, the crowd, I don't, I don't feel like they cheered Neville that night. I think they did kind of Monday, but they didn't really enough on Sunday to technically qualify. So I think per our rules, I'm coming back for you, baby. <laughs> But I was I one mean, day off. I was one day off, damn it. <laughs> I mean, I think we can go with a tie, right? If if you're willing to extend that to a tie because it's so damn close, then we'll have the rubber match at Hell in a Cell. <laughs> I still think it's fucking hilarious that we've tied twice now. <laughs> it's perfect. The anticipation can't get any bigger unless we tie again at Hell in a Cell. We're gonna kill the anticipation by keep dying. It's just gonna be the gimmick. We always have to somehow. Would that be even fucking harder to always somehow orchestrate it so that we tie? Have to keep making ridiculous side bets, like <laughs> so that we could argue them so they like orchestrate the points to make it a tie somehow. <laughs> but at least this side bet led to led to a nice discussion. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, it, it also it kind of begs the question too because there there's the problem of like is is the babyface and heel determined by the writing and the story or by the crowd? Because, you know, by by you know, it works in your favor more, especially more by reaction because Neville is still kind of in that tweener section right now. He's like mm-hmm. kind of getting cheered but still kind of getting booed even now, even in storyline where I think he's clearly supposed to be a face, especially since he fought like Arya Davari this last week on 205 Live. Like Neville's yeah, supposed to and, be a babyface now. It's story. Yeah, and I think they could have done a better job 
on the night of no mercy to mm-hmm. to make him more of a baby face in yeah. that night. Well, you know what? I th- you know what? I think part of it too could have been that like they wanted to test the waters a little bit more and keep it more ambiguous at that point just to see like all right, Evel won or Enzo won the title. What's the reaction? Are people into it or are people against it? So then yeah, they could I go think, how Do you think they were kind that. of like leaving it ambiguous for that with the the whole uh, is he a heel with the low blow, or is mm-hmm. he the cheating baby face Eddie Guerrero character? I think so. For, for you two think they reasons. were trying to like mm-hmm. hedge that bet, so to speak. Yep, I think they were trying to keep him kind of on that fence of like that he's heel enough that he can turn heel like on Monday if they needed him to, and it made sense. But that it's not so heelish that it was like no turning back because him kicking him in the nuts, he'd already done that. So he didn't cheat any more than he has already done before. So that was one way that I kind of was like, well, they didn't do extra heel shit. But then also, um, like with his promo that he cut, like it was heelish, but it wasn't like the next level of heel that he cut on Monday and Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think they were definitely hedging their bet. And that was smart. See how the yeah. crowd reacts. Because, you know, it, who knows? Maybe they could have totally popped for it and been like, yeah, fuck it. We're really excited. Yeah. Although, honestly, that crowd was fucking exhausted, I'm sure, after Cena and Reigns and the rest yeah, of the so that's, pay-per-view. That's a match that we haven't had, uh, uh, had haven't talked about yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of that one? I was a little underwhelmed, to be honest, dude. Um, same, same here. And same with the main event. I was, I was even more under... Well, I was even more underwhelmed by the main event, but at the same time, I was, like, not expecting as much from the main event because it's fucking Lesnar. Yeah. Um, you kind of know what's coming. But yeah, with Reigns and Cena, like, I don't know, I, I just, it was definitely very finisher heavy and very, um, very formulaic. And I think it kind of shows one of the realities about these guys, which is that most of the time they need to be paired with somebody else who's really good to then race to their level. Because they're, I think Reigns is definitely still better than Cena as a wrestler in of himself, but like he still needs somebody else to be really good to get a really great match. I think it showed the the problem with the WWE formula, which is um, they've realized that, oh, we can just do all these near falls with all these finishers uh, in order to get a reaction out of the crowd. And so when these two are in the ring, they started off so slow. And I was like, all it's going to be is just like who hits more attitude adjustments and or who hits more um, Superman punches. You're right. Well, you know what? Actually, because you're right. Part of the even the formula, too, is that both of these guys have um, very much like a style of that they get beat down a lot and then they come back with the explosive offense and then win. Mm-hmm. So when both of those guys are like that, then it's like, oh, wait, who carries the match? And then who comes back? And then bo- both of them only know how to sort of like explode back. So they're just both sort of exploding back on each other. And it's like the same two or three explosions that they have. Yeah, with like Reigns, it's like, all right, I can do the Superman punch, I can do the drive-by kick, I can do the spear. Uh, you know, with Cena, it's like I can do the five knuckle shuffle, I can do the AA. Um, that's about it. I can do the shoulder blocks. <laughs> shoulder block, shoulder block, shoulder block. <laughs> so yeah, it it kind of was formulaic and rough, and it wasn't that great. And it's it's even fucking weirder too that like. They were trying to build this so high, like, wow, it was already the passing of the torch moment. Wasn't that an amazing match? He's passed the torch. It's already over. And it was like, this felt really rushed and undeserved. Like, 
if if this had culminated all the way at WrestleMania and this was going to have a couple more matches in it, then it's like, okay, we can have the passing of the torch moment now. But yeah, I felt like to have because like you ha- we we've known for fucking years that it's like, all right, well, this was obviously going to be a feud they had to do someday. <laughs> is the Reigns taking the torch from Cena? Yeah, and it's like that sort of thing is not just a one month feud. Like, that's a multiple-month feud and probably a WrestleMania main event. Like, if not a WrestleMania main event, then certainly, like, a SummerSlam or some other very big pay-per-view main event. One of the big fours. Right. And then they just, it's like, nope, one month, bam, not even the main event. Cruiserweights are coming out after this. <laughs> like, I, it, it, it felt completely undeserved because, and the story was so fucking rushed because, like, even going into that last fucking week, Reigns is all like, I don't fucking respect you, Cena. You're not on my level. Like, he gave that really good promo. And then they had the match where Reigns beats Cena pretty decisively. And then fucking on Monday, Reigns comes out to Miz TV. And the first thing he says is, I respect Cena now. Yeah, after all the shit that went down with them. Like, those two went at each other on promos. And then just after that match, which was lackluster at best, He's like, I respect him. Yeah, it's like, all right, can I just examine the the extremely flawed logic for just a quick second? Uh, the whole feud was basically him saying to Cena that, like, you, know, you talk a good talk, but you're not as good as me in the ring, and that's why I don't respect you, because, you know, I can beat you and I'm better than you. Uh, so then he has a match with him where, theoretically, the only way for Cena to get his respect would be for Cena to have beaten him. He beats Cena, like... Really fucking decisively. Like, outside of when Brock Lesnar raped him, this is probably the most decisive loss that Cena has had. Okay, are we going on rape again? (laughs) No, just a brief detour into Rape City. Okay. Uh, Now we're back. Where Cena tried... He gave him an AA, a super AA, and then two more AAs. And Reigns kicked out of all of them. He hit Cena with one spear. One or was there two? I, I think it was only one because I, I think Cena I dodged. I think Cena dodged all the other ones because he kept throwing him to the ring post and shit. But then Cena, yeah, he hits him with a Superman punch and then a spear and then it's over. And then he's like, and after kicking this guy's ass, who I kept saying couldn't hang with me, now I decide that I respect him. No fucking sense. And then, and then he fucking has the gall to say right after that. That he, this was the biggest win of his career. Totally ignoring that he retired The Undertaker. Totally ignoring that he retired The Undertaker. Totally ignoring that he, like, won the uh, WWE title in the main event of WrestleMania. Against Brock Lesnar, the current champion. Well, against uh, Triple H. Oh, Triple H, right. And then he also fought Brock Lesnar a couple years in the main event. Like, he's main event. (laughs) Man, when I beat Cena in the middle of the card, it's no mercy. That was the biggest win of my career. Fuck the Undertaker, also, that old bitch. And let's think about this for a second. Uh, going back to like the structure of their match, with what those two said to each other, would they not go at each other right away instead of like the slow start they had? Yeah, you'd think. <laughs> like, Cena literally said that he had no balls at one point, right? <laughs> probably. I, I can't remember all the insults, so like, probably. I would want to punch a guy if he said that. Like, yeah. But uh, you know this. 
I don't, I don't fucking know. I can't even defend it. Like, I can't even think of, like, well, maybe they were just, like, completely stupid and forgot this. It's like, no, there's... I, I think this is I dumb. think this comes down to they were caught off guard with John Cena's schedule and they have to do the match now. No, what it's they had to. I was fine with them doing stage one of a feud right now. I think that would have been perfect. Do part one of a feud. Cena goes away for a while and then he comes back. It's like you almost couldn't have asked for a better timing to do a part of feud like that because that then you can extend it out without it feeling like. Yeah, you don't have to rush the feud, right? You can take a break in between. And it would have fucking put over Reigns huge, like, especially if he just, like, win or loss, if he had just fucking destroyed Cena afterwards or something like that. Like, but I know they're just, they're so married to him being a fucking face. But you know what? I mean, I guess at least for their fucking credit, it looks like they're trying to put him back with the shield. And if they do that, he will get cheered, probably. Yeah, uh, you want to jump into that from Raw? So we had the Miz TV segment uh, with Roman, the Miz, and the Miz Tourage, uh ending at the later in the night with Roman getting beat down by the Miz Tourage. Um So you think like next week happens again, but the Shield makes the save or something like that? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. Although that that exposes a very interesting. I want to show you a logic loophole. That's very fun. So, we have, as of No Mercy, we proved that Reigns is stronger than Cena. Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. Cena is stronger than Jason Jordan, right? He beat Jason Jordan? Cena is stronger than everyone. Right. Including Jason Jordan, specifically. Yeah. So, Jason Jordan is greater than the Miz-Taraj because he's beaten all of them together, single-handedly, on more than one occasion. Yeah? Yes. But the Miz-Taraj is greater than Reigns. So, somehow that logic loop makes sense. I'm imagining this, when you were saying, like, the greater than, so I'm wrenching each name and then, like, the greater than symbol next to them. That's how I have it and written in my you, notes. And then when you have, <laughs> then we have the end, it's like the Mistrage, like, circling back to being greater than. Exactly. <laughs> it makes no sense. Except, I did figure out there is one obscure rule of logic that makes it all make sense, Joe the straw man argument or something about oh no 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 it, it exposes the m- mortal weakness of roman reigns his achilles heel if you will he oh, what is it? is weak to chairs <laughs> if roman reigns is hit by a chair he is destroyed he is utterly un- incapable of countering this maneuver we've seen it more than once and this is how mistrash must have gotten the idea and you well, saw wait, it because wait. they imitated the shield. Seth Rollins hit him with a chair, and he was yeah. done. Seth hit him first, right? Yep, Seth and hit him Dean, first, and he and only hit Dean. him once. And he was done. It was after a chair shot, even Didn't though he, he has like, a Kevlar vest. <laughs> Didn't he, like, dramatically like, fall into the ropes, too? Like, yeah. Seth hit him, and he, like, he did the, uh, what is it, the full metal jacket pose where he goes down on his knees and has his hands up in the air and then, like, fell into the ropes. Oh, yeah, he, he died. Like, he sold that chair <laughs> shot like a motherfucker. So, and that's what happened, too, was the Miz and the Miztrash hit him with a chair. So, I think we've un- we've discovered the secret, Joe. Roman Reigns is weak to chairs. So, wait, you know what match they need to have at TLC, right? Yep, chairs match. <laughs> Miztrash wins. But that's that's the thing, it's because he's weak to chairs, it could be against anybody and it would be a life threatening scenario. Like he could have they could have a returning hornswoggle fight him. <laughs> Wait, do you think 
So does this come to the, the, the logic that the Kevlar vest is in fact a hindrance on him? Because apparently when he gets hit by chairs, it doesn't protect him. It actually makes him weaker. Either that or maybe maybe it's to protect him because if he gets hit by the chair without the chest, like he would just straight up die. <laughs> like his heart would, would stop and he would just die. <laughs> it would be like uh, the gauntlet from Lucha Underground. <laughs> yeah. So at least at least the vest just makes him get knocked out and destroyed by chairs. Or or yeah, maybe maybe it is the exact opposite, like you're saying. Maybe it saps his strength somehow and he doesn't realize it. Like the reverberations of the Kevlar when it gets hit by a chair, just me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really takes me out. <laughs> uh, so then we had our uh, main event, very similarly structured match, I'll say, except you have the two powerhouses of Lesnar and Strowman, and instead of hitting each other with their finishers, lots of times it was pretty much Strowman hitting Lesnar with a power slam a bunch of times. And then Lesnar hitting one F5 and then winning. <laughs> Fuck Lesnar, dude. <laughs> I, I don't know how many times I could, like, make the same complaint about his shitty matches. Where, like, the other guy just fucking brings it and does all this shit. And then she's like, eh, F5. Over. And, like, it's not even like it was the... Like, because your optimal uh, sequence in that situation is... The babyface in peril hits his move like he struggles to hit it, and it's like his last F five in the the chamber, so to speak, and mm-hmm. that's what gets him a win. It was just like power slam, power slam, power slam, other things obviously in in between there, and then oh no, I'm good. F five, like <laughs> you know what? If if they wanted to do a single F five and have that ended, I'll tell you how they should have booked it. Have it be that, like, Braun Strowman's in the middle of fucking destroying him. Maybe they're outside of the ring over at the announce table or something. And then fucking as, like, a last desperation move, Lesnar fucking hits an F5 on Strowman that, like, sends like, him through a struggles table. struggles to pick him up, like. Yeah, like, somehow. And then fucking, like, crawls his ass back into the ring at nine and wins by countout. If yeah. you need to have a win. Or you could just have a fucking double countout. I'd be fine with that. And you know what? Works for both guys, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was, like. Strowman took it to the champ, forcing Lesnar to win by countout, which he's, I don't think he's ever done in his, like, current WWE run. Yeah, uh, so. He's always pinned or submitted or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, but then Strowman still looks strong, and Lesnar still looks strong. Like, mm-hmm. win-win. Yeah, that would have been, especially because, like, with uh, Heyman's whole build of, like, well, uh, you know, he, he might be stronger and, you know, bigger and all that, but... You're not better than Lesnar. And then if Lesnar had to do something that was better than anything else that Strowman did to put him down just to get the count out, wouldn't that have made sense with the story? Or maybe if he had, like, speared him through the barricade? Yeah. Like, hmm. Huh. But I will give it to them that they at least rescued Braun uh, on Monday. Yeah, well, you know what? The thing is with Braun is they've done a pretty good job with him so far, so they'd really have to fuck up a bunch of times to destroy him. So yeah, this just it hurt him, but not that much. Yeah, hey, you had him come out and destroy. Um... Why am I blanking on his name? Uh, oh shit, I'm totally blanking on who the fuck did he kill this week? Hawkins. Uh, yeah, that's right, Hawkins. <laughs> Uh, I had Kurt in my head too, but I was kept going to angle, and I'm like, "That's not it." <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so you had him come out and destroy him, which well, uh, helped briefly. Mark. But then uh, Ambrose came out, and actually, uh, I thought him and Ambrose had a pretty good match. Yeah, and I thought it was an interesting uh, logical twist for Ambrose. Mm-hmm. And that Rollins played up on it well too with their backstage segment. Like it, it's a good storyline to run of the you need to stop being so self-destructive. Yeah, and then he was just like. Now I'm going to fight Sheamus. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, I mean, that immediately, well, then even fucking worse was then Rollins was like, hey, guess what? I got a match for myself against Strowman next week. So I guess that kind of undercut it immediately. I'm like, hey, don't be so self-destructive. Now I'm going to go do the same destructive thing that you just did next week. Oh, cool. I guess I'll listen to your advice then next, next <laughs> week, asshole. <laughs> I think they're trying to do like the one-upsmanship thing with them, so... Oh, but so was, have... was he warning him against trying to pick a challenge against uh, Rollins? Like, don't be so self-destructive in doing something that you know you're going to lose. Yeah. Watch. I'll go win it. Like, I'll go win it. And then promptly get his ass destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else from No Mercy slash Raw? Um, I think the only other thing that was... I thought the um, promo between Alexa Bliss and Mickey James was really good. Oh, yes. I thought her coming out as the next challenger, like, Mickey James was excellent on Monday. Yeah, really good promo, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that she's a bad promo, but I don't remember her ever having, like, me going, oh, that was really good afterwards. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, she's not known for her promos. Yeah. But yeah, this is, this is excellent, and I think it's, like, a really great feud for Alexa. Actually, it's honestly kind of one of the best feuds for Alexa because she has that specific history of, like, having brought back Mickey James. Mm-hmm. So like it's a really good feud yeah. for, specifically for her. Well, can we think about that for a second? WWE did a callback. I know, right? Like it's really fucking bizarre sometimes when all of a sudden they just remember shit and then plug it into story with continuity, and it's like, what? But like, I but just all imagine... the times that you guys just shit on continuity or forget, <laughs> like what the fuck? I just imagine they have a giant whiteboard in their uh, like writers' room, and like all the old ideas like sitting in a corner somewhere and someone like looks like, Oh yeah, we had like Mickey feuding with Alexa at one point. <laughs> we should bring that back. We should do that. Considering that she's like kind of beaten everybody in the division except for Naya directly. And then Oscar's about to come in. So they need somebody yeah. else. Need that intermittent. Uh, the only other thing I can think of is, uh, what, what you think of the Finn Balor Goldust thing? Uh, well, um, I'm really glad that that win for Finn Balor meant a whole lot and uh, really advanced his character, you know? Well, <laughs> now we know that he can win as both a man and a demon. I I just, I don't like this. I don't All like right. this so much. Because it's like, why the fuck does he have the demon character? Yeah. Why? I hate that. And not even like, not even like he was during the match. It was like he started doing some of the demon characteristics. So it's like, oh, he doesn't have to put on the face paint to like bring out the demon, so to speak. Uh, no, it was just he fought like his normal self and, and he won. Yeah, it's like I have if Finn Balor doesn't do more of the demon shit like that is what makes him interesting. The demon is what's interesting. Finn Balor is boring as fuck. Am I wrong? No, you're right. He's your typical baby face, like white meat baby face. But he's not even good at it. Like, 
Sami Zayn is perfect at being a white meat white meat babyface. Chad Gable is really good at being a white meat babyface. Like Finn Balor is not, in my opinion. I think he's so much better as like this weird fucking crazy guy. And the demon is interesting. Like he could do so much more interesting stuff where he has to like fight himself to like control the demon or something like that. I just but I the, don't Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say the I think the big problem comes in with the demon and him are not that different. Yeah, that's a big issue. Cause if he did make uh, a different move set or even just like do slight modifications to his moves when he is the demon, then you could really play with that character, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and the other fucking thing that's weird is, and, like, I get that because it's cool, they can kind of still run with it right now as, like, being a babyface thing, but I think it's really weird. WWE gets very, very clingy to the ideas of babyface and heels sometimes, but then sometimes they don't give a shit and they try to pretend that those things don't exist. Because, like, with Roman Reigns, they cling like a motherfucker that he has to be a babyface, even though he'd be great off as a heel. And... I think a situation like Finn Balor is like that character with the demon thing, like it's cool, but like, wouldn't it be a much better heel character? And like, occasionally heels can be kind of cool sometimes too. Like Undertaker has been a heel for a lot of his fucking run, but Undertaker was also kind of cool. He's fucking like creepy and macabre and shit. Like some people are into that. Kidnap Stephanie. Yeah. Like let, let the people who are going to be into the creepy weird shit with Balor be into that and let him be darker. Let him be the demon character. That's what makes him interesting. Him, like, trying to be the white meat baby face and occasionally be the demon is like, eh. Let him be the fucking demon. more like, Or even, like, maybe more like a 50-50. Like, because I think if he goes completely into it, then, yeah, we get a little more habituated to it. And it's not as interesting. But, like, I, th- I want him to be constantly on edge and, like, constantly, like, the, you never know whether he's going to come out and be Balor or, you know, the demon or something. Mm-hmm. And, like, make him a heel. Please make him a heel. Please. Because the character, because, like, you know, there's a way that you can make the Finn Balor aspect of him way more interesting as a heel character. Because then he can be conniving and calculated as Finn Balor. And then be monstrous and unchained as the demon. And reunite with the club. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Although, uh, you know... The club tried to reunite with him, it sounded like, when they invaded Raw. Yeah. Uh, so we had the Bullet Club uh, tweet out that they were at, they had a show, I think like a couple towns over or something like that, nearby Raw. And they had a permit to do some uh, video shoots outside of the arena that Raw was in. And showed up in a giant limo. <laughs> And rallied the crowd just like DX did all those years ago with the WCW invasion. Yeah, this is a really fun kind of repeat of history, especially their whole, um, you know, like they were chanting, getting the people. It's like, are you here to see WWE? No. Yeah. Are you here to see the elite? Yeah. Or, you know, or Bullet Club. I'm trying to remember which yeah. one they asked him, but, you know, one of those. And then uh, it was one of the young bucks has the megaphone and he's yelling into the arena. He was like... <laughs> Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, we're here to take you back. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, dude. Did you see too? I think this was on video. They were talking to one of the fans, and somebody had mentioned that he had gotten like a free ticket, and that that was like the only reason he was there. 
Oh god. It's like the exact <laughs> Oh man, like I bet more than anything, that was the thing that got WWE pissed. Yeah. That that got out there. Well, cuz that that completely reverses the DX invasion and throws it in their face. Mhm. Well, it's like, have you been seeing fucking some of these, like, crowd size shots lately? Oh, yeah. It'll be, if you're not on the hard camera side, it's completely empty. Yeah, it's it's fucking insane. Like, I'm try- like I, I remember even going to tapings, like, a couple years ago and things like that, and things were starting to go down, but, like, even then they only had, like, a couple sections over in the camera, mm-hmm. like, blocked off. But now it's just like, yeah, if you're not on hard just, camera. <laughs> it would probably be, like, the, the upper sections, too, which... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a big deal. If you fill a lower section of an arena, that's pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you think that in the next couple of years, if, if the, I mean, if they don't turn things around, is WWE going to have to uh, go to smaller arenas? I mean, I don't see that that's that big of a deal, right? Like, No, it's really not, but I think as an ego blow, it's going to oh, be obviously. a big deal. Oh, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, anytime. Like, I'm... Set, not, I'm <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, I wouldn't, I would accept it if I had to, like, downsize my car or downsize where I live and things like that. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I think it's, because I love going to independent shows purely for the atmosphere Mm -hmm. of being so close to the ring. Like, hearing the guys, like, uh, not talk to each other in the match, so to speak, with, like, moves and stuff. But, uh, like, when you're up in the upper sections of, WWE, you can't hear the guys like even yell at each other or things like that. So, well, it, it's nice that like you get a lot more interaction with the crowd in those smaller mm-hmm. venues, and that's that's so much of the fucking fun of actually being at a wrestling show is interacting with the fucking wrestlers. Yeah, like getting a chant started, like say during a tag team match, and having one of the tag team guys who's not in the match just standing on the apron like turn around and interact with you while he's sitting there standing on the apron. Right, like, because when it's in a smaller, more intimate environment, like, you can actually, like, see him and, like, you know, maybe he actually, you can actually, like, catch eyes with him for just a second and he's, like, telling you to chant, like, come on, yeah. like, let's go, stomp, stomp, stomp. Or telling you to shut the fuck up. <laughs> or telling you to shut the fuck up if he's a heel. And, like, and then they they can be, honestly, a lot better heels because with with more of that direct crowd interaction, you can pick out specific people and say specific nasty shit. Mm-hmm. Like, which actually gets people way more pissed. Like, I guarantee you, like, for example, like, if I'm, if we're in a crowd, you know, when somebody just says something kind of like a general shitty thing about, like, the town that we're in, it's like, all right, whatever, I get it. You're doing, like, some cheap heat. But, like, if we're sitting yeah. there and, like, I don't even know, like, the person next to us, but maybe there's some girl who's fat or something. And some guy's, like, you know, jumping the rails, like, it's like, hey, shut up, you fat bitch or something. Like, you know, instinctually, I would be like, hey, like, what the fuck? Like, don't say that to her. <laughs> like, even if I don't know her and I don't give a shit about her, like, you know, just, like, that going out, or, like, like, shut up, you little kid, like, you're a fucking idiot, like, you know, maybe he's not calling him a fucking idiot, but, you know, just telling some kid to shut up and, like, smacking his popcorn, like, I don't know, there's more of that instinctual, like, hey, like, that's a real fucking dick move. Yeah. Like, I remember, I can't remember who, what, what his name was, it was one of the managers in Ring of Honor at a show years ago, and, uh, he was a heel manager, uh, and got into it with a, with a fan in the crowd, and, like went to the, the the cliche of talking about the guy's mom, like the mm-hmm. the fan's mom, and he he got one line in of like one of those where he's just like, the guy said something about getting down on his knees or something like that, and the manager was just like, 
yeah, like, your mom was with me last night and, like, walked away. And, like, the rest of the crowd was just like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> and it, but it got people into it. And I, I, I think, yeah, I don't think it's a huge deal to, and it's not like, I'm not saying, like, they have to downsize to, a, like, a VFW hall. Like, there's just smaller arenas that they could run. Yeah, exactly. They just, because it looks bad when they have so much space that's unfilled. And from a fucking yeah. cost perspective, like, you know, the cost ratio, I'm sure, is not good. Yeah. You know, when you're running too big of a venue and you're not filling it, you're not making as much money. Yeah. As you would be if you sold out a smaller arena. And your fucking product just looks that much better when you're selling out shit. Even if it's a smaller venue, if you sell out, like, it's a lot better than selling less than half of a fucking big place. And an actual sellout, right? Like, so you're sitting there watching on TV, mm-hmm. and then you have people tweeting out pictures going, hey, this place is actually filled. Like, Yeah, well, and you know what? The other thing is fucking, too, is that from the TV perspective, or, like, the way the crowd is going to be reacting is the crowd is going to be a lot louder and a lot more excited for what's going on, proportionally, because they're in a smaller venue and it's a lot louder. Because when you have the mm-hmm. same amount of people in a bigger venue, the sound doesn't, you know, project as well. It gets lost mm-hmm. in the empty space. So then the silence feels even more silent than if you had the same amount of people and cheering the same amount just in a smaller space. So like it would help the presentation of the product. And in a smaller space, you need less people getting chance going. Mm-hmm. So. And you know what? I'm going to say this too as like another <laughs> little point. With all these promos that these guys have to be giving to the hard cam and the prom- like in the ring to then a fucking empty space in front of them, as an actor... That is going to be a lot fucking harder to do than when there's f- fucking people there to play off of. Oh, yeah. Like, that is infinitely harder to just act into emptiness. Especially for the heels, right? Like, they, they thrive on that interaction. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as they say something, to point out to someone in the front row and be like, what'd you say to me? Like, Right, and especially because like, when you start to feed off of that reaction, that reaction helps to draw the character out of you. It's a lot harder to do that when you're either you can't see them or like uh i think there was a one point on enzo's promo on 205 live where he had to like turn around and look over his shoulder to look at the fucking crowd mm-hmm. to address them in his promo and it was like what the fuck is this like <laughs> this sucks they shouldn't have to fucking do that just go to a smaller venue well i think even with a smaller venue i think people would still leave before 205 live <laughs> i mean SmackDown. <laughs> maybe but 205 lives numbers are starting to get a little better at least yeah uh so what do you got from smackdown uh let's see from smackdown we got uh the announcement of the usos versus new day in hell in a cell i'm pretty fucking excited for this dude i also like the uh like how that came about like hmm. playing off the whole uso penitentiary thing yeah I was uh, I honestly thought that that was going to be um I think beforehand when they were saying they were going to pick a stipulation and we I didn't know about the Sin City Smackdown I thought this was where they was going to go with it but now we finally caught up to the Uso Penitentiary being the Hell in a Cell I guess yeah um and I I like that the new New Day like called for that too yeah that was an interesting kind of because. Originally, how I was thinking of it with the uh, Usos using that as the because they won that one match where they could pick the stipulation, mm-hmm. and that I thought it was going to turn to this. But yeah, the the uh, New Day are deciding to go hardcore. Mm-hmm. So, do you think 
because we've got like one more uh go home before this but it's like do you think your motivation is basically that like look you guys have been fucking around for way too long and we need to just kind of finally put you guys to rest yeah i think this is the like this is the (laughs) this is what a feud is supposed to do like it's supposed to lead up to hell in a cell like these guys have done multiple types of matches this is going to be the deciding one no 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 joe you don't understand you're supposed to do hell in a cell first like kevin owens (laughs) and shane (laughs) no that that still works though (laughs) that actually does still work yeah (laughs) um well like wait is uh shinsuke and jinder hell in a cell nope yeah so that wouldn't work (laughs) although that's the the second match in their feud Damn them not having an example for me to <laughs> point out this year. What do you know? What no, the fuck, maybe, WB? Maybe, I can't maybe. make fun of you for having a pay per view called Hell in a Cell if the two matches you have in Hell in a Cell make sense. <laughs> maybe they finally learned some of their lessons. Maybe they listened. They listened after last year, because I'm sure last year they had to have had a bad offense or something. I'm sure. I tried, what, the, what the fuck did they have in Hell in a Cell last year? Was John <laughs> Cena was John Cena in a Hell in a Cell match? Let me see. I feel like he probably was. Um, who the fuck? Was Hell in a Cell was Raw or SmackDown last year? I think it might have been Raw pay per view actually though. I think it was Raw. Uh, well, wait. Yeah, was it? Uh split brands at that point it should have been yeah because it's like in the fall when they do hell in a cell yeah Unless oh yeah it was for the it was for the raw band okay so the two hell in a cell matches were oh kevin owens with chris jericho against seth rollins to the universal championship and charlotte and sasha banks that one didn't make sense for it being hell in a cell i think yeah that was very much just like a we want to do the first women's hell in a cell yeah, I think even the championship too kind of didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that one with Jericho and Owens was kind of odd. That was just like, a, well, it's Hell in a Cell, so we got to do Hell in a Cell. Yeah. So yeah, at least this time the the feuds make more sense. And yeah, look at that, Kevin Owens two years in a row. This oh yeah, dude, think about that. <laughs> But yeah, he's uh, he's been fucking excellent, dude. I thought he uh, his destruction of Zayn this week was really good too. And destruction like Zane... of Zayn and calling out Shane like how he did. Oh, his his logic on his promos is just phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's been fun. And Zayn was actually excellent too. Like, yeah, I was gonna say that opening promo was fantastic. Yeah, like not only did he do a great job of helping to put over Owens in the match and the promo, but I mean. This is probably stupid and naive of me, but like there was that little part of me that was hoping it was like, man, this is look at how the crowd's reacting with Sami Zayn. Maybe they'll look at this and think, let's give him a push. Maybe, <laughs> maybe after they, because uh, I, I, I kind of have a sneaky suspicion they're gonna give Baron Corbin that U.S. title. So maybe they could uh, then give it to Zayn or something like that. Because they're not gonna give him the world title, which they're probably not going to. Then. Fuck it. Let him go for the mid-card title. Let Zane get the mid-card title. Yeah, he deserves it. Dude, he he could fucking bring so much to, like, a fucking U.S. Open Challenge every week. That'd be a lot of fucking fun. Him going out there, and especially him being, like, the fucking underdog and shit like that, it could actually maybe feel like 
he actually has to fight for it every week. Yeah, it's not like just automatic that the champion's going to win. Yeah, it's not like a... I mean, I thought Cena's open challenges were good too, but it was like, you knew those guys weren't going to beat him. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> This is kind of still... like the Cena puts on a showcase with a guy for like 15 minutes until he beats him. But I mean, that I thought that was a great open challenge with, with Cena. I mean, you had some mm-hmm. guy, you had like the debut of Zayn and you had Cesaro really get his name out there. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great. And then even fucking, like, I think AJ Styles has done pretty well, too. Like, this has done really good for helping to spawn these storylines with, like, uh, Ty Dillinger and Baron I Corbin and shit. Ty is definitely a player now because the... I, I, st- I do still really kind of hope that maybe he gets added into the uh, pay-per-view match somehow. Because mm-hmm. we still got one more week of TV, so maybe he could come out and fuck up Baron Corbin. I mean, he's been involved every week with this angle. Yeah. It would be, it'd be actually I mean, he... kind of really sad for him not to be in there, right? Yeah, because he, I mean, he had the match with Corbin this week, which led to the confrontation between Baron and AJ afterwards. Right. So yeah, I'd like um, to see him get in there. We had the continuation of the hype bros. Just kind of considering breaking up. I don't know. Yeah, I guess they're. I guess they're waiting for the right time to pull the trigger on it. For the storyline, I mean, didn't, didn't they say last week that? They were going to do something drastic, but then they didn't do anything this week. Maybe, maybe their idea was like, "All right, let's let's like let's let's win a match." Oh shit, that didn't work. We lost. We tried to win, but it didn't happen again. I don't know. <laughs> that was going to be our drastic thing. Well, you know what? I, I guess it's not that surprising. They do some kind of just they do sometimes just sort of drop shit like, but they dropped the the whole fashion police like who attacked them storyline. Oh right, sort of I totally forgot about that. And then now the fashion police are coming back next week. Yes. So I was like, oh, all right. I mean, I'm sure they'll enjoy the backstage segments and stuff, but, like, is this ever going to lead to, like, a match or a feud or anything with these guys? <laughs> oh, speaking of something taking a while to lead to something, uh, Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, all right, so I, I actually really liked the under Ziggler entrance, but uh, you did not. <laughs> I just, like, uh, I guess because I could tell right away it wasn't The Undertaker. But the crowd did get caught up in it. I have to give them that. Yeah, the crowd got caught up for you know, like thirty seconds or a minute or so when they were like, you know, just instinctually like, "Holy shit, the Undertaker's here!" But then, like, after they kind of thought about it for a minute, it was like, I think most of the people started figuring it's like, "Wait, I don't think the Undertaker's here." They would have promoted this, and then you know, they see him come out, and the farther away he- you are, it's probably harder to tell. But anybody up close, like, you would have known, like, this guy's a foot shorter than <laughs> the Undertaker. And he's walking entirely too fast for the Undertaker. Yeah, and like he's wearing sneakers. Like, yeah, he's walking way too fast. That's the. Oh man, it's like it's only been like thirty seconds. He's already almost to the ring. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, but this is finally leading to a, a feud with uh, Bobby Roode. It looks like. Yeah, this is a. I don't know. This is a really weird choice because. Like, Bobby Roode's character is so inherently heelish that, like, it it just feels weird. Like, this feud feels weird to me. I don't know. What about you? It goes back to your argument of what defines the heel and babyface, as we were talking before about Neville. Is it the writing or is it the crowd reaction? And I think in this case, the crowd reaction is uh, changing the direction of the writing, so to speak. Or influencing it. Okay, so then... It, so then, like, what what is like, 
what is Bobby Roode's motivation here? Like, what is his character's motivation? It's because, like, I understand. I don't know that one. I can't answer. Because that, that's that's where I'm stuck. According like, to his promo, Ziggler, I, like, I get why Ziggler doesn't like Roode because he's saying that he's everything that's wrong with WWE because he's yeah. an elaborate entrance, and that's it. But then Roode is just kind of there. I think he's like saying that he has a problem with Ziggler's attitude. I guess. And he, well, because he, he did say he respected him. He said he does great in the ring, but now he's just complaining. So maybe it's just him trying to prove a point. Maybe. I guess. I guess that could be it. But then, hmm, that seems like such a strange foundation for his character. Because, like, with like, I know that like we're more of the hardcores, and I guess actually like a larger, a larger and larger percentage of WWE's audience is hardcore. So a lot of them are familiar with NXT guys. But, like, that seems like such a weird first thing for Bobby Roode to do. Like, as the thing to establish his character, it's just the, well, you're whining, so I'm going to shut you up. Like, I'm the guy who shuts up whiners. Like, I don't know. Like, I, he, you know what? Bobby Roode is the kind of guy that really would have benefited from, like, some uh, packages. Like, video packages and stuff to, like, explain his character oh, before absolutely. he debuted. They really, I feel like they really should have gone with something like that. Because I don't know what his character is supposed to be. No. Because, like, he's, like, the guy who's going to shut up Dolph Ziggler, but then he's just, like, the guy who comes out in the elaborate Ric Flair-esque robes and really does have the elaborate entrance. Like, because, I don't know, at this point, unless Rude does something to change my mind, I feel like Dolph Ziggler is kind of right in this feud so far, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, Rude just has to prove it in the ring. I guess so. I guess that's the... Is that the idea? He has to just prove himself in the ring. Yeah, because Ziggler's saying that all these people, like, they have these elaborate entrances and do all these things to get the crowd reaction, but he's the only one that can, like, he's the best worker in the ring, and so that's why he should be cheered more or whatever. So I think Bobby just has to out wrestle him. So then, do you, do you think they actually let Dolph get more offense or change up his offense at all? In his match with Bobby Roode, because we haven't seen him wrestle since he's changed up his gimmick. I think he just has to, uh, like, do more of the technical stuff and, like, really out, like, Matt wrestle Roode and, like, really take mm-hmm. him down. Yeah, I think it's got to be a combination of that and and almost, like, adopting a little bit more of his old and mannerisms where he would, like, show off in the ring mm-hmm. after it's like, look at how much better I am than you. I can yeah. do like handstands and push ups and other shit in the ring and like take breaks. I'm not I'm not even trying. Like Right, like I'm not even breaking a sweat against you. That sort of thing. I I would really like to see him get more of that. But uh if his track record is anything to go by, this'll be like a eight minute match and Brute'll just <laughs> kind of win. <laughs> like But uh You can hope. We can hope. Yes. Because like uh, the, my secret hope is that like Ziggler somehow fucking pulls out a win, but I know that shit ain't happening. Because <laughs> I think that would fucking really do some wonders to maybe solidify this new character of being like, hey, look, this motherfucker came out with the elaborate entrance, and I beat him in the ring because he can't hang with me. Yeah. Because if he just fucking loses right away, then I feel like it kind of shits on his new character right away. But oh well. I guess they don't care about Ziggler anyway, so we. It's fine. It's not fine, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me sad. 
Uh, let's see. Was there anything? Oh, ooh, almost forgot to talk about fucking Ellsworth on the chain. Oh, yes. What did you think of that? Uh, uh you you predicted it, by the way. I did, I think. <laughs> it's hard. I make so many fucking predictions, and so many of them are just, like, wayward and wrong that it's hard for me to remember the ones that come right. Um, yeah, I think we, we said with, like, Kamala was really just bossing around, um, Ellsworth, and we were like, oh, this could really go into, like, a dominatrix thing. Mm-hmm. And. Yes, you're right. Now I remember saying that. Yeah. yeah that it should become a dominatrix thing. Mm-hmm. Ooh, you know what? Maybe they'll start to have a. Do you remember the fucking Gimp from Pulp Fiction? Yes. Maybe at some point they'll have a Ellsworth come out in like a gimp suit. That'd be <laughs> fucking hilarious. Oh that my works. gosh. <laughs> and I love to like she like chains him up to the ring post. Like that's a fucking extra great move. Oh, it's hilarious. Oh my gosh. There's like you know what? I'm trying to remember, has like has even Stephanie McMahon emasculated anybody to that level? Has she put anybody on a leash and chained them to the ring post before? No, she hasn't. Because she is like the queen of emasculating bitches, smacking them and slapping them. But I don't think she's done anything that level. That's impressive. I like it. Yeah. No, she has. Yeah, she definitely hasn't done that. Um, was was there anything else from SmackDown? I guess it was uh, Rusev Day, right? Oh, yes, with uh, his introduction of uh, Aiden English as his singer now. Yeah, I thought that was a... Well, because now he's done this for... for He did it for Rusev with Rusev Day. And then he also did the singing with um, uh, the Canalysis before. So, I don't... Do you think that Aiden English could kind of, like, transition to, like, a general, like, master of ceremonies, just, like, singing for various heels character? Or almost like a semi-manager, occasional wrestler. I think a, I think more of a manager, yeah. Because that could be interesting. Maybe I don't know how. How would that go? How do you envision that? Uh, he comes out and sings for people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. I I just I think it'd be interesting for him to be like linked to a specific heel or something like that um hmm oh well doesn't oh you know what i mean i th- I still think elias samson that would be the more interesting one because then elias <laughs> could just be his uh guitar player and like tag team partner man why did they have to get rid of simon gotch like the vaude villains i thought were a decent mid-card babyface tag team they could oh, they're definitely those guys yeah they were definitely enough but alas, uh, okay. I'm trying to think. Like we already talked about two or five live, right? Uh, yes. So it's pretty much just NXT is next. Yes. So NXT, couple highlights here. Um, we had Fabian uh, Eichner from the uh, Cruiserweight Classic return after a year uh, to go up against Cassiusono. Holy shit, it has been a whole year. Yeah. Over a year, right? It was August of last year. Yeah, it was like August or September, something like that. 
Um, but yeah, this was this was a really nice showing. I thought uh, Eichner did great this time, just like he did in the fucking Cruiserweight Classic. I thought he was great back then too, to be honest. Yeah, I think he was one of the ones I wanted signed, and uh, now they finally did. You know what? Like he he was the exact same spot as uh, Jazzy Gabbert was in uh, the May Young Classic. As like the guy that mm. got eliminated really young or really uh, early in the tournament, but like did an outstanding job. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it looks like now he's in, probably in the company there because he even got like a video package too. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely signed, and I think they hopefully have an idea for him. Yeah, because like you know, sometimes they'll just sort of debut guys and they'll just have a match. But like this actually looked like, a, oh, okay, we're actually debuting perhaps a new character. And I don't know whether he stays in NXT for a little while or, well, it, I th- actually, I guess he probably will because they did mention that he, I think, put on weight between. Uh, the cruiserweight classic, and now, so that now he's no longer uh, cruiserweight, and he's back in the heavyweight division, right? I think so. So then, yeah, I guess he'll be mixing up with those guys. To which I say, like, fuck it, let's see it, let's do it. Uh, and then we had the in-ring debut of Adam Cole going up against Eric Young. Uh, I just also wanted to highlight, I thought Eric Young's promo earlier in the night was fantastic. Really? I thought it was kind of aimless. I thought it was very Bray Wyatt-esque. Really? Oh, no, I thought he had a little more aim. Like, I love that he brought the the like the line of sanity in it. Like, he was like, I'm going to take him to the edge of sanity. Yeah the, the, yeah, the closing line was good. I'll admit that. Yeah. But the rest of it, I just, it was like, I don't know, he was very much like, oh, like, things are going on, and we like chaos, and... Well, no, I I think it was that he was saying, like, they were the originally the ones that were causing chaos and that this new group is just copying off of them. Mm. And he's saying, like, now you're stepping on our turf and that's why we're coming after you. Shit, maybe I just didn't understand what he was saying. Because when you explained <laughs> that, I was like, oh, that that's a good point. That's a good promo. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Like, and he was saying, <laughs> like, I think he also brought up, like, you, you attacked us to make a mark, and he was like, his line was, we wrote the book on making a mark. So. Mm-hmm. Well, what mark did they ever make? Well, I guess other than beating the uh, Authors of Pain. Well, I think when they first came in, they were, they were a big deal. They had a, they had a lull after that for a while. Yeah, it was a, well, the problem was because Authors of Pain were there at the same time. It was like, both of these... Uh, groups are coming in and they're supposed to be like Hoss tag teams. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, well, we can kind of only have one that's at the top right now. And Sanity wasn't it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what did you think of Adam Cole's in-ring debut? Um, I I thought there were definitely some good moments in and stuff, but I just I feel like um, NXT has kind of conditioned me to expect uh, like much bigger, longer debuts, especially for these guys that they make a bigger deal out of. Mm-hmm. So, like, the it, it, I mean, first of all, it was kind of weird that it, A, was not out of takeover. I mean, I guess his, like, debut debut was out of takeover because he first appeared at the takeover. Sure, but you, you mean the in-ring debut. But yeah, like the in-ring debut is usually out of takeover, too, I feel like. Um, so it was kind of weird that that didn't happen and then that it was uh, in this match, which I felt kind of got more dominated by a lot of the stuff going on outside rather than it being focused on these two guys in the ring. So it just kind of felt like a little bit of a cheap thing, but then maybe that was like a smart strategy of like, let's not blow the Adam Cole load yet. Like let's make it a shorter match. Let's put it on TV. 
we can save like the real in-ring debut for later. Yeah, I like that. I like bringing out people. Um, I mean, I, I like both methods, I should say, of doing um, uh, like their big in-ring debut is at a, a takeover, and so you get to see like a 20-minute match. But I also like this, like bring them out for a little match and then maybe another little match, and then you get to see the full force at the next takeover. Mm-hmm. Or like I think they could have run it too, but because they have Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly right there, like he could just continue to be in tag matches until a takeover, and then he finally mm-hmm. has a singles match. You know, against somebody they're like, hey, like I don't want you hiding behind your guys anymore. Like I want to finally fight you. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, but yeah, pretty good other than that. Nice little tease. And we also had the uh, first episode of the Ultima Lucha Trace in Lucha Underground. Yeah, which technically only had two matches, but one of them was a really big match. Yeah, one of them was a very big match. <laughs> but yeah, uh, first we had uh, Famous B teaming up with uh, Dr. Wagner Jr., one of his clients to win the contract of Tejano. Yes. Uh, using uh, Dr. Wagner, he get the roll up on uh, Tejano. Mm-hmm. And of course, the beautiful Brenda. Yes. Uh, uh, I, Go ahead. I thought that uh, it was a nice, uh, uh, like, let's see, uh, undercard match to what was the main event. Mm hmm. Yeah, it was it was a very different, uh, like completely different in styles and in pace. So it was like, yeah, like let's warm up the crowd a little bit. And yeah, then the comedy with shit. famous B. Exactly. And um, then <clears throat> we get into the hell of war match. This was a fucking killer match. Uh, with Killshot and Dante Fox, first part was first blood. Yeah, and this was a uh, no no kind of little pussy first blood stipulation. This was a because the way this ended was smashing kill shot through a pane of glass, glass like a yes. giant glass window, like via a power bomb to the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I also liked sense. kill shot here starting out with the the mask, mm-hmm. and Matt Striker bringing up like, well, wait, if he's bleeding it from the head somehow. The mask is going to hide it. Yeah. And then um, I'm trying to remember what happened next. Because the, the second fall uh, being because it was a no DQ match, right? Yes. No DQ match. And so the second fall was uh, yeah, Killshot did a cradle driver to uh, Dante Fox through the barbed wire table. Yeah, whew, through the barbed wire table, and then I think uh, well, put him onto the glass afterwards too. I for the think pin. so. Jeez, that was brutal, and like really great turnaround booking too. Because then it was like, all right, well, you, I've done to you what you did to me. Yeah, leading into the which final fall, led perfectly into the final fall, uh, which was a medical evac match, basically a stretcher match. Mm-hmm. Um, except this stretcher was. Uh, being watched by two soldiers. Uh, and you just had these guys going all out. I mean, it pretty much started with uh, the, these two guys, like, on their knees, like, panning, bleeding, 
and barely being able to stand up. Mm-hmm. And so this last fall was the, just the complete who has more left in them. Yep, and then finally culminating on uh, Dante Fox like choking the shit out of Kill uh, Killshot up on the stage mm-hmm. with like that mic cord, and then he like fucking finds the bottle and smashes him over the head, which sends him like careening through some tables and shit. Uh, through was... a, a pane of glass as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was brutal. And like, you know, he just was done, like just dead after and that. Killshot barely getting him into the ambulance and closing the door. Mm-hmm. Like, just barely getting him over there, poisoning his body, and just... <sighs> it was perfect. Like, it was a really nice culmination to a feud that's been going on all year for those guys. And like we said last week, like, kind of silently going on. Yeah, it's been in the background. Like, they've fought a couple times throughout the year. Like, a lot of times sort of in multi-man matches. Uh, yeah, just quietly brewing. And then here we go. We have the huge blow-off match. And it was a great match and a great way to start off uh, Ultimate Trip Trace. And fucking made both guys look excellent. Like, you know, so if there's another season and Dante Fox comes back, like, he went through fucking hell, too. Yeah. He does not look like a bitch for losing that match. <laughs> there are no bitches here. There were no hoo-hoo bitches in that match. Uh, and I think that's going to do it for us this week. Oh, wait. Uh, do we have a fan question? Uh, I totally forgot to look it up. <laughs> okay, no fan question this week. Uh, so we'll get it next oh, wait, week. I'll make one up. I'll make one up right now. Uh, spontaneous right. false uh, fan question of the week. If Oh, here we go. I got it. If another superstar were to get a day named after them, who would you pick other than Rusev? Since he already <laughs> has one. <laughs> uh, can it be a tag team? Yeah. The New Day Day. Damn it, I was going to go there too. (laughs) (laughs) The New Day. Just every day is the New Day. Yeah. Oh, who else? Mm, You know what? You know what might be a good one? Um, Would be Reigns Day, which would clearly be the day that No Mercy Day was because that was the day that he beat John Cena, which was the biggest win of his whole career. (laughs) Yep. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else I would like. Oh, you know what would be a fun day? Hmm. Bailey Day. Bailey Day? That would be fun. Wacky, waving, inflatable arm, two man just going around everywhere. Hugs yeah. for everybody. Just like a joyous, happy fucking day of wrestling. Yeah. Ooh, or maybe... Oh, you know what? Nope. Perfect. You have Austin 316. It's already in there. So on 316, <laughs> every wrestling fan... Just gets drunk as shit and watches and, wrestling. And stunners people. <laughs> and stuns people. Stuns anybody <laughs> who dares question their love of wrestling or drinking. <laughs> there you go. The uh, official Steve Austin 316 day. Oh, we prob- a- I'm sure people have been fucking celebrating that. I mean, that's the thing. Already. We have an unofficial pie day or rock day in pie day. Yeah, that's true. We got that. Which is, which is two days before Austin day. <laughs> Oh man! So what's? Oh, you've got you've got Rock Day, the I or Pi Day, the Ides yeah. of March, and then uh, Austin three sixteen. We've got a trilogy right there, ladies and gentlemen. You got you got a trilogy. You've got a trilogy. <laughs> you've got the charisma of the Rock, the Eat murdering of Julius Caesar, and then you, and then <laughs> you have some pie. You watch a murder, and then you cool down with a good beer, <laughs> and stuns a motherfucker. And, and stuns a motherfucker. <laughs> 
Oh, man. All right, so that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, great fan question <laughs> made up on the spot. <laughs> I'm I'm a fan of our own show, so there we go. It yeah, count. there we go. This is and my fan question. <laughs> that was one of our better answers, too. <laughs> well, you know, we, we found a good gimmick for it. Like, we found yeah. a good groove for it. So good job. So that'll do it for us this week. Uh, check us out on social media. Super Smart Brothers on Facebook. At Smart Brothers on Twitter. Shoot us an email, supersmartbrothers at gmail.com. And rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and our original home of Podbean. Or don't. We will give a fuck. Peace out, motherfuckers.